Is there a new prophetic word about President Trump? Is it reliable? What did it say? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Friends, many of you know that during the Republican primaries, I was in the Ted Cruz camp. I thought he was the best of the candidates. I strongly opposed Donald Trump as a candidate during the primaries and said, okay, if he actually makes it to win the Republican primary, then I'll reevaluate if it's him versus Hillary Clinton. But I had grave concerns about President Trump. However, I was aware that there were some prophetic words spoken that God was raising up Donald Trump, as unlikely as that seemed, and that he was going to be the next president, or that he could have a key role in shaking things up in America. And I remember praying. I said, Father, I just don't see this. I, I know respected voices are saying it, but I just don't see it. Show me what I'm missing. And lo and behold, those prophetic words came to pass. This is Michael Brown. You're listening to The Line of Fire. And I'm about to speak with one of the men who had an early word about Donald Trump as president and who believes that God is speaking to us further about him. And in in point of fact, one charismatic critic, one man who denies the gifts and power of the Spirit for today, uh, sent me a note mocking these words and saying, will I renounce them as error and say these people were wrong? Those who actually said, some actually said that, that Donald Trump would be the next president. Will I actively say that these words are false. I said, of course. And I said, and will you acknowledge they're true if they come to pass? Of course, never heard from him on that score. But I want to speak today with Jeremiah Johnson in 2010. He planted Heart of the Father Ministry in Lakeland, Florida, currently serves on the eldership team full time. He has been in ministry for, well, most of his adult life and is a very serious man of God, takes the word of God, takes the holy things of God very seriously, does not speak prophetic words lightly. I've had the privilege of ministering in his congregation a few times and finally to be very serious believers who fear the Lord. So everything we're talking about today is quite serious and worthy of discussion in the sight of a holy God. Jeremiah, welcome back to the Line of Fire. Thanks for joining us today. Dr. Brown, thank you so much for having me, and it's uh, great to be back on the show. Well, my, my joy, really. So let, let's go back, Jeremiah. And, and first, for those of our listeners who are not as familiar with prophetic ministry today or the gifts of the Spirit, when did you start hearing God speak to you and, and realize that, that it was really the voice of God? Well, as I've shared before, uh, my mother had a, a dream when I was in her womb to name me Jeremiah and that there would be a, a call in my life, and a lot of things began to line up very early, but for me personally, I began to hear the voice of God around seven years old, uh, began to have prophetic dreams at night, and by the time I was nine years old, I was actually prophesying uh, from the microphone pretty regularly in my father's church growing up. So what would be an example of a prophetic dream that you got as a child? I would have a prophetic dream about, you know, let's say somebody in the church, uh, maybe their 
marriage was struggling and God wanted to intervene and bring hope and blessing. And so I would tell my dad, hey, I've had a dream about so-and-so. And he would say, well, let's get together with them. And, you know, I remember being, you know, just an adolescent, not even a teenager and sharing these dreams and, you know, the couples crying and weeping and encountering the Lord. There was even folks that would start to show up at my father's church and, and ask, you know, or say there's someone here that has a prophetic word for me, and they would say it's that young man over there, Jeremiah. So some of the different experiences that I had, but the Lord has always, you know, Dr. Brown talked to me in, in, in my dreams about people, and as I've gotten older, he's talked to me about different nations and presidents and different things like that. And, and how did this affect your own relationship with God? How did this deepen your walk with God, these dreams and, and hearing God's voice? Yeah, you know, it, I think it dramatically increased uh, the relationship that I had and that I do have with the Lord. You know, I, I really believe that prophetic voices, they're, they're not just voice pieces, if you will. Not We just don't communicate the voice of God. I believe that God's prophets, they fellowship with the emotions and heart of God. And so I feel very privileged, I guess, to not only get to know the voice of God, but to really spend my time fellowshipping with how God feels in his heart. And so it's it's brought a lot of intimacy and closeness with him and I. Mm. Yeah, there there's the idea of, of carrying the burden of the Lord and, and identifying with the things that give him joy and the things that grieve him. So, so in that, there is a certain level of spiritual pain that you experience in fellowship with God because you are grieved by the things that grieve Him. Does, does that sound like something you relate to? Yes, yes, very much so. In fact, I was uh, just doing a video the other night encouraging prophets uh, about uh, what we're talking about, about learning how to be a good steward of the burden of God, fellowshipping with His emotions. It it, it puts you, it constantly puts you in a place where you feel out of place and where you feel out of touch with even what's happening presently, because part of what God will reveal to you is, is futuristically. So a lot of prophets, we struggle because we're always, we're always living one step ahead of mm. maybe what many people are living in. Right, a certain holy tension then that, that you live yes. with. And, and I know as, as we've talked, and even as you've written, you've been grieved over abuses of prophetic ministry that you've seen in the charismatic movement. And, and even though you are, you're a relatively young man, or, what, about 30 years old now? Yes, sir, 30. Yeah, uh, but, but you have, you have uh, experience and maturity in the Lord, but because you're relatively young, you, you speak with respect and honor as opposed to, you know, being God's policeman that's going to straighten everything out. And yet you've been, you've been deeply grieved and burdened over what you felt are, are abuses in, in the charismatic movement in terms of prophetic ministry. Uh, before we talk about some serious words you've received and, and what you believe are further insights about President Trump, uh, just in short form, what have you felt are some of the most serious abuses you've seen in charismatic prophetic ministry over the years? Yeah, that, that's a, a great point, Dr. Brown. I, I run into a lot of folks in the body of Christ that are very disillusioned and put off to prophetic ministry, and I would say in short form, probably the the two most serious errors and pitfalls of prophetic ministry that I see currently is the lack of prophetic accuracy 
Mm. And not only the lack of accuracy, but the lack of accountability. So in other yes, words, sir. if prophets are prophesying specific things that don't come to pass, there's very little public repentance or acknowledgement that we have missed it. And then secondly, I believe that there's a there can be and is a lack of character and integrity. You know, a lot of people associate prophets with immorality or, or money scandals. And so I think that the lack of prophetic accuracy and accountability kind of coupled with the lack of integrity has uh, really put a bad taste in many people's mouths concerning prophetic ministry. Yeah, absolutely. In, in my new book, Playing with Holy Fire, I have two books, uh, two chapters that just deal with prophetic abuses. One is unaccountable prophecy and the other is mercenary prophets. So you really hit on, on those two things right here. And, and Jeremiah, many Christians understand the role of the pastor in the body, you know, shepherd, uh, guarding the flock, nurturing the flock, and often the pastor is a teacher, grounding people in the word, discipling. We often know the role of the evangelist, that the evangelist is is equipping people to go out and reach the lost, and himself is greatly anointed to reach the lost. But in terms of the overall life of the church, not necessarily every single local church, but the overall life of the church, what role does prophetic ministry play? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a powerful and a, and a necessary question to ask. I believe that, that prophetic ministry in the local church primarily, I call it the plumb line. You know, I really believe that prophetic ministry, or really the call of the prophets, are to help turn the people back toward the Lord. And I mm. think a lot of times the prophetic ministry, the way that it operates in the local church, is it, it awakens people to the voice of God, it tunes them in to what the Holy Spirit is saying right now, and I believe if we can get people connected to what God is saying right now by teaching them how to hear His voice, the different ways that God interacts with humanity, it can help. It can help awaken them to the standards, the the clear uh, what it means to be a Christ follower. That's how I see prophetic ministry in the local church serving as that plumb line serving as that place that helps turn people back to the Lord and really awakens them to a personal relationship with God, where under the new covenant we can all hear the Lord from the least to the greatest. Mm. Yeah, amen, and so necessary today. Yes. All right, we've, we've got two minutes before our, our first break, but the first word that you received about Donald Trump, when was it, uh, and then what happened when you spoke it? How did it get circulated? Sure. So in, in July 2015, uh, you know, I was just going about my way and um, had gone up to our church uh, in July of 2015 and was in a time of prayer and, and had this encounter. And previous to that, I, you know, did not even know who Donald Trump was, was not very involved in politics. And I received uh, this word that ended up being published and circulated around the nation. And as that prophetic word went forth about Donald Trump being a trumpet and that there was uh, a mandate on God for him, for the nation, uh, what ended up happening in the days that followed were, were a lot of bitter attack and accusation. I look back on that season now, Dr. Brown, and, and I understand I was not ready for that level of rejection and persecution mm. that would come. But I also thank God 
for using that rejection and that attack and accusation to really help break the fear of man off of my life, even Hmm. to a a greater degree. And I I had to stand by what I knew God spoke to me in that encounter. And it was not a definite word about him being president or an endorsement of his character, but rather that he was being raised up for divine purpose, which as things unfold is, is a shockingly accurate word. Yes, yes. There was there was no specific prediction that he would be president, but I believe that it was a very clear and direct prophetic word about the plans and purposes that God was raising Donald Trump up for a very specific purpose in the nation. Yeah, and that was one of the words I prayed about when I said, God, if, if you're going to make Donald Trump next president, I don't see it, but I take these words seriously. I prayed about it, and so I, I listened carefully, and Jeremiah believes God's spoken something to him fresh about Donald Trump. We'll talk about it when we come back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I'm speaking with Jeremiah Johnson, who was one of the first voices I heard to speak about God raising up Donald Trump. And I I took it seriously. I saw that the word suddenly circulated everywhere. In fact, Jeremiah was asked to be on all major media and declined the, the invitations But the word got out. It got me praying and thinking. And then when I saw Donald Trump making it along the way, I thought, okay, as much as I have issues and questions about who he is, I do see something happening here. I do see God's hand involved. So sometimes the prophetic word gets you thinking and praying, looking in a direction you haven't before. Uh, Jeremiah, you believe that God has spoken something fresh to you concerning President Trump. And obviously, if you feel a word like this, uh, it's something that we pray about. Sometimes there's a warning about something that we need to pray for. Sometimes there is word about coming resistance or issues or things that are going to happen. And, and pr- prophetic words prepare us. It's not just information. There's divine wisdom in it. So what's the most recent thing that God's laid on your heart? Yeah, there are several encounters uh, that I've, I've had just to take one step back, uh, as I, I, I think I've mentioned before, Dr. Brown, I, I, I take the last month of every year in December, and I shut down my not only my traveling ministry, but the ministry here in Lakeland. I don't pray, I don't prophesy, uh, I don't preach anywhere, and I just simply sit before the Lord just as a way of kind of clearing out my mind and my heart. I don't go on social media, and I seek the Lord about a word for the body of Christ for the following year. And so the Lord began to speak to me in, in January of this this year uh, about uh, Donald Trump uh, once again. And, you know, my, my journey in the prophetic, as you asked a little bit earlier, has been very unique because I have learned that prophetic ministry is not about our opinions. Uh, mm-hmm. Releasing the word of the Lord is about just asking God for his heart and his words, and then regardless of what I think in the natural, I've got to be faithful to deliver that. And it seemed that just as I was surprised by the word that God gave me in July of 2015, 
about Donald Trump as I sought the Lord in January of 2018 on the heels of December of 2017, God began to give me a vision, and I, I want to share the vision, and then I want to share the dream. Mm-hmm. But I, in this vision that I had as I was praying, I received a vision of, of Donald Trump's right hand, and then it began to turn into an iron fist. And God spoke to me and said that Trump's grip is going to tighten while the liberal agenda loses its grip. And I saw the liberal agenda in America gasping for breath as the Trump agenda squeezes and suffocates its opponent. I saw a lot of a desperation and accusation uh, coming from Washington, D.C. And then I began to see something that really surprised me and caused me to pause. And what I saw was the iron fist of Donald Trump was too much for the American people to bear. Uh, The pressure and strength of his grip, while at first was reassuring, in the end it brought great unnecessary destruction. Mm. And as I was seeing this, I felt an alarm go off in my spirit, and God said to me, I have raised Donald Trump up for four years as a battering ram and trumpet in this nation but without a serious sanctification and softening of his heart and words, there will be great trouble and danger that will mark his run for a second term. Even though those who were once for him will see the error of his ways and begin to cry out for his soul, do not be deceived by the wealth and change that Donald has and will bring to America for I am after far more than the gifts I have irrevocably given him. I must have his heart so that I can order his steps. And so this was the the vision, the initial encounter that I had in January 2018 that really alarmed me and, and surprised me. Um, and and um, do, you, do you have any questions or anything about that particular vision before I share yeah. the dream? So so just to be... to to make sure, as we're listening, that we're, we're understanding this. So we believe that God raised up Donald Trump to be president for certain divine purposes. Now, God can raise someone up for judgment or for blessing. We recognize that. Uh, we see that he's been used for good in many key ways, and that it takes someone with a forehead of steel like his to get certain things done, even to move the embassy from, uh, to Jerusalem in May is, is a massive thing that's, that's actually happening. Some of the stands he's taken have been courageous and fearless at the same time because of his deep character flaws and other areas in his life that do not seem to have changed. He can do much good and much harm at the same time so that if those other issues and areas are not addressed, then you're, you're going to have a problem. So in, in other words, we can see someone raised up by God with all their imperfections, but if the imperfections aren't dealt with, just like a Martin Luther had a forehead of steel to take on the religious establishment of his day, but in many ways was a flawed man, and those flaws bore a lot of bad fruit as well, that you see something like this, almost an intensifying of what we already see with Donald Trump, and, and with that, uh, great potential for good, but something that could that could undo itself in the process. How would you define specifically Iron Fist and how on the one hand, 
the liberal agenda would, would become unglued, but the iron fist would be too heavy. How do you understand that? Well, it was, it was interesting the way that the Lord showed me it, because the, the, the pressure and the strength of his grip at first was reassuring. And, and as you stated, I believe that the Lord has raised Donald Trump up for a specific purpose, and you do have to have you know, an, an, an iron forehead, and he, he has to, you know, the original prophetic word that I had released was about him being like a bull in a china shop. You know, he, yeah. he, he does have that, that way about him, but it was like that, 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 that firm grip, that, that kind of that bullheadedness, if you will, it at first was reassuring, but then I began to see futuristically, I believe, that that grip that once was reassuring became alarming because it, it intensified so much so that it was going to bring destruction. And I, I believe what God is saying prophetically is that maybe even uh, some of the very reasons why people voted for Donald Trump, maybe because they saw that conviction and they saw he would just say about anything, what, what was a blessing could turn into a demise uh, or could turn into a bad thing that would scare people because of of his unwillingness to come off of his convictions. And so I believe this is a of a prophetic warning. I believe that, you know, when the Spirit of God speaks concerning uh, different uh, presidents or countries, it, it provides a prophetic narrative so that the Church knows how to pray and gives them divine intelligence and wisdom on what to look for and how we can pray. Yeah, amen to that. All right, we've got three minutes, so why don't you share the rest of of what's been laid on your heart? So when I had this vision the following night, I had a prophetic dream where I saw Donald Trump crawling around on the White House lawn eating grass and acting Mm. like an animal. And immediately I cried out to the Lord in the dream, and I said, God, Shall Donald Trump become like Nebuchadnezzar? Shall he become so consumed with his success that he begins to credit his accomplishments to his own strength and power? I ask God in the dream, will you remove sovereignty from his life? And God spoke to me and said, Donald Trump is in great danger of becoming like Nebuchadnezzar in the years ahead. He will have great success but the church must pray for humility and the Daniel company to arise. Just like Nebuchadnezzar, if Donald Trump breaks away from his sins by doing righteously and showing mercy to the poor, I will prolong his prosperity. And I woke up from this prophetic dream with a a tremendous burden, and to be honest, I could not believe the dream that I just had. And I, I, I said to the Lord, could... Could Donald Trump have been raised up by God himself like a Cyrus and bring necessary change to America, but through his own pride and arrogance and forsaking the poor uh, as Nebuchadnezzar, could, could, could that be him? And, and I heard the Lord say, absolutely. Mm. And, and it's really caused, caused uh, you talked about, you know, maybe the effect that prophetic words have had upon people, but this kind of turning an event and a potential has really caused a lot of alarm in the body of Christ, and I think it's producing a necessary awakening that this man desperately needs our prayers. Yeah. 
And, and Jeremiah, in, in the midst of my concerns for Donald Trump, when I was still wrestling through these things, I asked the question, uh, is he going to be Osiris? Is he going to be a Nebuchadnezzar? The, the scary thing is he could be both. He could be yes. used to do good for the nation, the church, and the Jewish people. And if he doesn't humble himself and, and really hear the voice of wisdom around him and the voice of godly counselors around him, if he doesn't shut them out but listens to them, then he can humble himself and continue. Hey, Jeremiah, we are out of time, but I want to encourage all of our listeners, take this to serious prayer and, and see if the Lord increases your burden in prayer for President Trump. Hey, Jeremiah, let's reconnect again as soon as we can and, and keep walking with the Lord, man. We need to hear your voice. We'd love to. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Well, one week ago, Billy Graham, best known Christian in America, most beloved Christian leader in America in the last generation, he went to be with the Lord. And one of the articles that I most enjoyed reading about him was, was by Reverend James Robinson because Billy Graham befriended James when James was just a teenager and saw the calling on his life. So James has known Billy Graham as well as anybody outside of immediate family. And it was a great article to read because of his unique perspective. So I asked James to come on with me today and and talk about his relationship with Billy Graham, how it got started and what made Billy Graham unique, and then some wise counsel that Billy Graham gave to James Robinson that changed his life. So I, I'm thrilled to be able to talk with James today. Hey, brother, welcome back to the Line of Fire. Hey, thank you, Michael. It's good to be with you. Well, how, how old were you when Billy Graham reached out to you? I was called to preach when I was 18, and God did really bless the meetings miraculously. 19, I was uh, literally uh, conducting a citywide crusade in Houston. And it was so well attended and the response so great that we extended it another week. Billy Graham had started with the Youth for Christ. Uh, matter of fact, he was basically working alongside of them when he had the uh, statement made by William Randolph uh, Hearst of Graham. Yep. And so this was a Youth for Christ meeting uh, that had uh, uh, invited me, and it really turned into something special, and Billy heard about it. I'm sure he should have a lot of relationships with Youth for Christ everywhere. And uh, he took an interest in me, and uh, in very short order, he expressed that interest uh, as set up my organization uh, with the tax-exempt 501c4-3-3 uh, status and, and set it up and and had the uh, number one attorney at that time in tax areas uh, to do it. And he was a, a trustee at Baylor University with Fulbright Jaworski Law Firm, and and, man, that was an unbelievable gift. He said I'd need it. But then he stayed very close to us, and I was in uh, college in, in Marshall at East Texas Baptist Now University, and he came, Franklin came to Letourneau, and Billy asked me to to try to win his boy to Christ. He said, Franklin doesn't know the Lord. He's in rebellion. Mm. 
and I reached out and did my best, and he kept breaking every fishing date and every time to get together we had. Amazing. And uh, it wasn't two years later, and I did share that uh, both in the book Living Amazed but also on the stream, that uh, I was playing golf with Billy when he said, we need to go in let me tell you what happened to Franklin. He got converted wow. and told me the story, and then Franklin and I became very close, and support, we been, began supporting Samaritan's Purse. He and I have done things together all over the world for missions, and I love Franklin. I love the whole family. I'm very close to Ruth, uh, the mother's namesake. Uh, we called her Bunny. Franklin still calls her Bunny. Close to Ann Graham Lott. She's been on the program many times. She quoted the stream the day before Billy died and sent people to the stream. So uh, we just have a great relationship, and what a great man. And I'm so grateful to see the way people are honoring the Lord by recognizing the fact that he truly pointed people to Jesus Christ and to the cross of Christ. What a powerful, powerful testimony. Yeah, and, and James, I, I don't, I don't want to lift you up uh, here just for that sake, but you are the, the most well-connected Christian leader that I know anywhere in the world. You can easily gather Christians together, some of the top national leaders, top Christian businessmen, politicians, gather them together from around America, and, and they'll come because you're friends with them, because they respect you. So you, you know a lot of people in, in the body, and you're never haughty about it. You're just, it's just relationships God's given you. So you know a lot of people. You know a lot of ministers. You know a, a lot of celebrities that are out there. If, if I asked you, what, what stood out about Billy Graham? I mean, there's so many people, and yet he stood out. What, in your view, made him special? Well, you know, I, I, I proclaim truth in a one-on-one setting as uh, consistently and forcefully as I do by speaking to thousands of people or speaking on Life Today television. And when I was invited by Donald J. Trump to come to Trump Tower to talk to him because he had been advised that he needed to hear the deep concerns that I have, and in the first five minutes, and I'm looking at this man sitting at his desk and I asked Eric Trump to sit by me a while and listen to what I would begin sharing with his dad because they had said he's a great father. And I said, we're a fatherless nation. And I said to uh, Mr. Trump, I said, let me let me tell you that I, I think if you're not teachable, the word meek, if you can't become a thoroughbred yielded to less than a 100-pound jockey and you let that person direct you with wisdom, you will not help this nation. Let me give you the example of the two most meek, teachable, truly humble people I've ever known. Number one, Billy Graham. Mm -hmm. And I described that. He said he is an amazing person, isn't he? I said, yes, he is, but this is what makes him amazing. He still doesn't understand why anybody comes to hear him preach. He's so humble. He's so meek. He's so teachable. And then Ronald Reagan was the same way. Ronald Reagan was as teachable as any child. Uh, Mike Beaver, his closest friend, uh, before he died, told me the biggest mistake the Republican leadership made was not keeping Ronald Reagan surrounded by people full of faith in love with the Lord. And he mm. said he was guilty of contributing to that problem. Well, that's an indication of what Mike Beaver's confirming. Ronald Reagan was teachable. Well, so is uh, Billy Graham was the most humble, truly humble, truly grateful, truly teachable person I ever met. And mm. that is what our leaders need today, everywhere starting with the president, to every leader of every organization. They need to be teachable. They need to be meek and humble. Yeah, and the thing that struck me about 
Billy Graham, not knowing him personally, but hearing some interviews where he was truly baffled by how God was using him. You know, we might say it, and you know, we it's kind of a false humility, or you know, yeah, we know it's grace, but we know we have certain gifts. But he seemed truly baffled by it, and which is just so extraordinary. So, James, in, in your article in the stream, and you shared this elsewhere, but it, it's so important, and uh, and it, it's it's been an important principle for for me as as well. But God was raising you up. People were saying you're going to be the next Billy Graham. You're now preaching these meetings. You even became known as God's angry man. And, and Billy Graham gave you a word of advice. You, you were setting up citywide meetings in different areas, and you would work with one particular circle of, of people or one denomination. What is it that Billy Graham told you that changed your life? Well, I was at the time helping a fall by that mountain, a great Bible Baptist fundamentalist friends with John Rice and Bob Jones. Of course, I was, too. I was known as probably the most outspoken Southern Baptist and all of the Bible Baptists and fundamental Baptists. They liked me. Falwell told me, he said the whole church, he said, James Robinson makes all us fundamental Baptists look like a bunch of liberals. Mm-hmm. Later, he said, I made Rush Limbaugh look like a liberal. But here's the thing. <laughs> I was very hard. Uh, I was doing what I believed was right. I was proclaiming truth, but it really did lack love, and a lot of times it was anger. Sometimes it was forcefulness sometimes deep-set eyes, but I was angry. And I went to Billy, and I said, don't you think you're compromising being with all these different groups? You have them on your platform, you work with them. And Billy said, well, he said, do you know the people you're telling me to avoid? I said, no, I don't. He said, well, I do. And he said, I think that uh, if you knew, if you, here's something you need to understand. I couldn't conduct a crusade outside the United States if it were not for Pentecostals and Charismatics. Now, he said, that might surprise you as a Bible Baptist, and both of us are Southern Baptists, he said. But he said, I want to make a suggestion to you. I want to suggest that you spend time with people you've been taught to avoid. Mm. I want to tell you, that hit me like an arrow from the quiver of God's truth. It really got me. But you know what? I did it. And I started with men like Jack Hayford. And then I began to fellowship with others until the point I had to go and apologize to some Pentecostal leaders for unkindness that I had expressed to her, and they began to weep. They said, you don't have any idea what it means you've come to us and say this because we respect you men who hold the Bible up so high, and, and we're learning, and we have so much to learn. And for you to come over here and express your love for us, you have no idea what it means. When I preached at church on the way, Jack Hayford said, you have started something today you don't imagine. He said, you're standing right here as one of the most highly visible Bible Baptists, and you loving us the way you are, James, something's going to happen in the church. Well, Michael, we've watched it. You were in a great, uh, say, charismatic-type revival that impacted your life deeply, and you impacted them. And, and you know how we, we really do need to behave like the family of God. Billy Graham understood that. And I'm telling you, if, if all these people that are, as Christians, thanking God for the memory of Billy Graham, if these people would stand together for biblical truth, for the commandments of God, and make a kingdom implant, an imprint on this earth, we, we would change this nation because the nation is crying out for leadership filled with love and wisdom and truth. And when we quit labeling one another and calling them names, I mean, even when you say somebody's a Republican or they're a, a Democrat, you're labeling them, you're trying to cut them off from somebody. Mm-hmm. When you say he's a liberal, he's a conservative, you're trying to cut them off. We, we really need to stop doing that, and we, and we need to start allowing people to sit down and talk. You won't ever hear me promoting a particular bent or expression or group. I always talk about the principles for all groups. That's what Billy did. Billy did that very, very well. But if he needed you to take a stand, 
and behold the glory of the Father and experience the transforming power of the cross. That's why when you walk in the Billy Graham Library, you go into that library the same way you'll go to heaven, and that's through the cross, Mm. through the cross of Jesus Christ who gave his life to give us life. So you can you can stand for the truth without compromise and yet walk in love and unity. It's one thing to be totally ecumenical in every all denominations and every group and no matter what you say everybody's in. It's another thing to divide over all these trivialities and and so much of the time it's just because we don't know each other. And if we would spend that time, man, it, it would have an impact. So so not only we just got about a, a minute, not only did it Revolutionary, revolutionized your life personally. What happened with your ministry? Well, our ministry just exploded. It multiplied beyond imagination. And, you know, we were having maybe 200, 250,000 professions of faith a year. Within about three years after I applied what Billy said, we were having up to 5 million people accept Christ in a year that mm. would sign commitment cards and begin taking Bible study. It was the most amazing thing to have as many as 800,000 people sign a commitment to Christ in a single week. And, you know, we we did the primetime crusades, and we were the first ones to use the big 800 service. We set up what was then, I was told, the largest 800 service in the country, 230 lines at that time. And we were winning people to Christ, 10,000 people in a night. And, And Billy later called us and asked us how we did it. Lewis Plow did the same thing. And they, they utilized the phones. Amazing. And all that, and, yeah, and all the expansion happened after you heeded that advice. Friends, this is a word from the Lord. James, thank you, sir, for joining us and sharing that with us. Much, much appreciated. It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, we're just in our last few minutes here. Oh, yeah, we're, we're good, Matt. I think we got all of our tech. Yeah, yeah, we, we're all good. Yeah, we're experimenting with some technology that we're going to be using on the road that will enable us to do not just a live audio feed as we've done for years. I've got a portable radio equipment. Can I actually, it's all kind of plugged in. Maybe I can show you without disconnecting the whole thing. It's upside down here, but this is a portable radio unit. Those that are watching on our Facebook live feed on Ask Dr. Brown, uh, that enables us anywhere in the world where I have a, a cable connection, ethernet cable, I can broadcast studio quality anywhere in the world. But now, because we're doing live video feeds every day, we're working on technology. We've got another box plugged in. I don't want to mess with that. Uh, And then an iPhone for the camera. And then we can do the same thing, studio quality on the road with a live video feed as well. So we don't have our normal backdrop here. We've just got these curtains uh, behind us. But this is just maybe one or two more days, making sure we have the kinks out. And then we're ready to take this on the road. All right. 866-348-7884. That is the number two call. I, I really want to stress a couple of things here. One It's interesting if you heard the first half hour, Jeremiah Johnson spoke about a prophetic word he received concerning the president that really alarmed him and got him praying for the president. 
that his great strength that can bring good, if not tempered with humility and sanctification, will bring harm. Uh, and therefore, we really need to pray for him. And this, over the cycle of these next three years, I really bear witness with that. And you could say it's self-evident. So be it. So be it. Uh, but I take it seriously as well. And then James Robinson, not knowing about the previous conversation, starts off talking about his time with President Trump alone when they spent 90 minutes alone with him, asked his son Eric to be in there part of the time, preached the gospel to him very clearly, uh, called him to, to, to the gospel very clearly, and has spoken the truth to him forcefully in the past. Uh, the, we need to pray that voices like this continue to have access to the president that will continue to speak truth to power because he knows these evangelicals love him. He knows without their help, he wouldn't have been elected. He knows he he has a certain appreciation for, for their Christianity, wherever he himself stands. But we need to pray that these voices continue to get to him and that he will have ears to hear and that he'll humble himself before God and man. And again, the same strengths that that can bring great change, if not sanctified, can bring great harm as well. Well, what I just want to stress is this. I, maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm foolish in doing it, but I've often reached out to critics and spent time interacting, sometimes hours privately, sometimes many email exchanges, with the hope that if they're earnestly pursuing truth and there is error in their position, that I can help them see the truth. And of course, I always pray for myself, any blind spots in my own life as well. Now look, I've interacted with counter-missionary rabbis, so men who are not believers in Jesus, who believe I'm deeply deceived in my faith, and I believe obviously they're missing the Messiah. And we've interacted sometimes hundreds, thousands of emails, sometimes by phone and another means, sometimes face-to-face, and we have worked out differences. In other words, we, we end up saying, okay, we have differences here, but we've worked through misunderstandings. And, and we've said, okay, I, I misjudged you here, misjudged you here. And we've talked it through. I'm talking about a rabbi, ultra-Orthodox rabbi, who spends much of his life opposing what I preach and believe, and yet has the integrity, as, as, as someone from his viewpoint is seeking to honor God, that we can talk through differences and at least understand each other and not, not, um, not pass each other uh, like two ships in the night. So I've, I've urged some critics, okay, let me set up a meeting. You, you reject so-and-so. You say so-and-so is not a believer. You say, don't recognize this person as a brother. You think they're a heretic. I said, okay, let me set up a meeting where, where they'll spend some hours. You can sit face-to-face and talk. Well, why would I want to do that? That's what I've had some time. Why would I want to do that? I already know this person's a heretic. I said, well, you're basically things, secondhand reports or one line here or one line there. Sit down and spend time together. Look. I once heard it said that it's easier to shoot someone from a distance than to sit face to face across the table from them and then take them out. In other words, speaking metaphorically here, they're talking actually if someone was, you know, trying to kill somebody, right? You know, they're a hit man. It's a lot easier to do it when you don't know the person. When you know them personally, it changes. Well, spiritually, now we make the spiritual application. It's a lot easier to dismiss someone as crazy and heretical and so on when all you've seen is a quote here or a little excerpt from a conference there or a little excerpt from a book here, and you've never really gotten to know the people and really understood, okay, what do you believe and what makes your heart beat and how do you understand the scriptures and what about this and what about this and what about that? And uh, look, in fact, in some cases, it may make your opposition sharper. 
you might come away even more concerned and more grieved. In other cases, you'll say, wow, I misjudged you badly. Well, I thought this, I thought that, I thought this and that, and I was so wrong. So I don't know how it can hurt to spend the time. So the counsel from Billy Graham to James Robinson, spend time with those that you've avoided in the past. Talking about professing believers, it is life-changing. It is life-changing. And for me, while I'm still going to have differences and still say, okay, I believe this scripture, you believe that, I'm going to better understand this person. Some years ago, a bunch of national leaders came together, and they began to talk. And as one guy was talking, he said, you know, as I read Scripture, every page just jumping out at me, win the loss, win the loss, win the loss, win the loss. That's it, just jumping out at me at every page. Another guy said, you know, when I read Scripture, every just jumping out at me, love one another, love one another, love one another. Like I said, man, when I read Scripture, just jumping out at me, faith, faith, faith. Another guy, man, when I read Scripture, just jumping out at me, covenant, covenant, covenant. And, and in point of fact, all the points were valid, but each one had a particular burden or calling to emphasize a specific thing. And, and together, it was wonderful harmony. Together, it's what you call the body of Christ. So, I've uh, listen, I love the moving of the Spirit, and I'm never going to apologize for the moving of the Spirit. Someone sent me a clip recently where people are playing excerpts of me in the midst of revival meetings. Praise God. I love the moving of the Spirit. I'm never going to apologize for that. I love the fire of God. I I, I love the working of the Spirit to change people's lives. I love His power. And and if people don't see it, I truly, I grieve for them. And I think, well, you would have been doing the same thing in the Great Awakening or other historic moves of God. You would have rejected them as well because it was out of your comfort zone. So I'm not going to apologize for what the Holy Spirit's doing, but if I can reach someone that just, this is weird, I don't understand, if I could help them come into the fullness of God, and if they could say, well, see, I have these concerns, and then maybe that illuminates me to help reach people better, I don't understand how it can hurt to sit down with people that you've differed with, professing Christians. We're not talking about Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and we're talking about professing believers. Sit down pastors, do it with others outside of your denominational group. You might be shocked to find out that there's some quality people who love the Lord and that are spiritual and are solid, and you could learn from them, and they could learn from you. And and worst-case scenario is you spend the time with them and realize they're further off than I realize. They're flaker than I realize. They're more heretical than I realize, in which case you can sound the alarm all the more clearly. Make sense? All right, let me try to grab one call here. Uh, Jay in Toronto, thanks for joining us on the line of fire. Hello. How are you doing, Dr. Brown? Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So just uh, regarding the the subject matter on is there a new prophetic word? Yeah, hey, hey, Jay, hang on one second. Are are you speaking right into your phone? You're not on speakerphone or anything? I'm speaking into a microphone right now. No, I'm not on. All right, so you're not talking right into a phone. Okay, because re- real hard to hear you. Well, try to ask the question quick, and then I'll try to respond. Just regarding your, your subject on uh, President Trump and prophetic words. Yeah. Okay, so I, I was just going to comment that, um, you know, there's a lot of abuse with the gift of the Spirit, where I think people are kind of hijacking prophetic words. Yeah, hey, hey, Jay, hey, listen, I, I apologize, but it's almost impossible to hear you. I, I, it's a bad connection. Um, so maybe you could just uh, share with Howard what your concern is, and maybe he can relate it to me before we're done. All right? So I, I'm trying to get it out, but it's, it's unfair to our hearers. It's very, very difficult to, to hear properly. So sorry about that. 
So, Howard, if you can uh, if you can find out better what his issue is, maybe we can address it, if not today, later in the week. But let me just say this. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, there were all kinds of problems there, were there not? They were having issues with the doctrine of the resurrection. That's pretty big. Did he damn them to hell? No. If, if Look, if you deny the resurrection of Jesus, you're obviously not saved, okay? If you deny a future resurrection of believers, I, I question your, your relationship with God. There are some people that believe there's only a spiritual resurrection, whatever, okay? I, to me, you deny, you say the resurrection of the saints is past, that's heretical, okay? There's no, this black and white, simple, plain to me. But having, having said this, having said this, Corinthians had some big errors in their midst, yes? And not only so, there was immorality in their midst. There was all kinds of division in their midst, all kinds of issues. Paul praises them for the good and says they're not lacking any spiritual gift. The fact that there were abuses and issues, there were abuses in their use of tongues, there was spiritual maturity in their use of the gifts, yet he commended them for not lacking in any spiritual gift as they waited for the coming of the Lord. And he now was going to teach them the better way, the gifts with love, all right? And now he was going to correct the doctrinal errors and address the divisions and the immorality and other problems in their midst. But he never rejected the Spirit was moving in their midst. Friends, embrace what the Spirit is doing, and then let's join together to mature in the fullness of the Spirit. Back with you tomorrow.